Let's pray, everybody. Dear Lord, we're grateful that we're all together this evening. God, I especially would like to pray for my eldest son, that he will find that special someone soon. He's nearly 33, God, and still all I ever see him with are his merry band of bros. Thank you, God. Amen. Uh, James, can you pass the butter? Wow, Dad. Don't hold back next time. Hope I get married before I graduate. Well, I'm sorry, James. I guess it's too much to ask that your eldest son to settle down, grow up a little, get some distance between him and his friends. I'm sorry, Jess, but some of your friends, I don't even have words. Hey, is this a good time for me to mention that Kitty wants me to go ring shopping with her? Okay, let's talk about something else. Jess, honey, your father means well. He really does. Jess, your mother's right. I just want what's best for you. I see so much potential in you, that's all. To have a wife, a steady job, a couple of kids, a home, a shower, a haircut, perhaps. I know. Well, we'll see what happens. See, what about that woman you met at the well the other day? She seemed nice. I don't know about her family, but you know, at your age, you can't be too picky. Well, guys, I'm sorry. I got to eat and run, but uh, I, I got to get back to the guys. Oh, Jess. Oh, honey, that's part of the problem. I mean, especially Pete. He's odd. I love you guys, and... I'll be back for Christmas. Oh, speaking about your birthday, your mother and I have something special planned for you this year. Maybe you could uh, do that thing that you did with the water, like you did that one time, because we're almost out from that wedding. Okay, honey, then. We'll see you soon. Say hello to your friends. Bye, son. So much hidden potential in that one, if he just settled down. Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Sweet. Well, man, I, I just want to tell you, uh, very excited. This is our last uh, message in this series about real relationships. And, um, and today we are talking about, we've, we looked at married, we looked at divorce, we looked at parenting and blended families, and today we're looking at what it means to be solo, to be single. And, uh, and I'm really excited because um, many people say, hey, man, I hear you talk about your wife all the time. I have no idea who she is. 
here she is. So my wife, Susie, would you give a welcome to her today? So um, thank you. And we are really excited uh, to share with you today because I live in that drama hilarious uh, uh, with Jesus sitting there. I, I lived that. Um, I didn't get married till I was 34. So I had many people who were concerned about my singleness and how picky I was and, and all this kind of stuff and that my life would really start if I just get married. Any other single people want to gag right now? Um, and so, uh, so I had experienced that. Susie herself didn't get married till we were both in our 30s. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, and I told David, not only did I have the mom and the family members and the friends who were constantly reminding me that I was single and that I didn't have to be if I didn't want to be, surely I was too picky, but I also had an internal barrage of thoughts telling me things like, I'm not lovable, I, what's, you know, what's wrong with me, am I too picky? There were, there's so much even internal dialogue that happens um, that happened for me uh, during that whole season of walking alone through this life. So yeah, and so um, today, and we we also hello, is that gone? Uh, we also realize that there really are um, lots of different singles here. I mean, you might be in your 20s and go, single, I love it. It's, it rocks. And some of you have gotten to a certain age, whatever that age for you, and you're like, okay, that single thing was great, but. That's enough of that, and I'd like to move on. <laughs> Some of you have found yourself single again, and you never thought that that would happen. Whether that was through death or whether it was through divorce, you're later on in your years, and you're having to be single again. And we know that all of those bring different kind of uh, situations and, and things you're dealing with in your heart. Um, but I really believe the principles that we're going to share with you today are three that Susan and I um, struggled with as single adults and also found victory in as mm -hmm. singles adults. But here's the other thing I want to share too. If you're here and you're married today, at, these three principles are exactly and deeply applicable for you. Mm -hmm. Told that to all you guys who are single when we talked about marriage three weeks ago, right? Like, hey, don't pack your, you know, don't put your earphones in and, 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 you know, and, and negate the message. <laughs> this stuff uh, relates to you. And I want to really encourage you, if you're married, you're going to mm -hmm. see how these principles actually never really end. But we're just going to be focusing and how that affects a single adult. One of the things we've done is we asked a few people here at K2 um, who are single to just write us some of their experiences and where they're mm -hmm. at in their own journeys. Mm -hmm. Three fantastic stories that we're gonna share with you through this. And before I pray, um, I'd love just to share this first one that kind of gets to the heart of why we wanted to address this issue mm -hmm. uh, today. She just does a really good job of expressing a piece of it. <clears throat> My good friend says this, I think the most difficult part of being single for me is the loneliness. At times, it's absolutely overwhelming. There are a multitude of factors that contribute to this loneliness, the lack of having someone to share life with, triumphs, joys, or struggles, or the silence that becomes deafening when my children leave for the weekend with their father. Then there's the many feelings I wrestle with, such as not knowing where I fit now, Many couples tend to overlook singles and primarily interact socially with other couples. And if you're single with children, it can be difficult to find time to connect with others as you attempt to single-handedly juggle all the demands associated with the day-to-day. -day. I sometimes struggle with wondering if I'll be alone forever, especially on those days when it seems that everywhere I look, I see couples together, a stinging reminder of my solitude. All right. 
Well, let's pray. And, uh, and it's been a good morning. Uh, I feel like God has really been with us in the, both the 930 services. And um, I will say this before we, we, we pray. I'm hoping that you will leave here today and be more encouraged than you have. Some of you have walked in here and you're very frustrated. You, you totally resonate with this, with this email. And we're hoping that by the time you leave here today that your heart will be encouraged and that you will be reminded that we come here every week to worship a God who is faithful and who loves you and who cares about you. So let's pray and let's ask God to open up our hearts. God, um, thank you for your word today that we're going to look at. Thank you for the truths that we're going to hear. And I really do pray that by the power of your spirit, you would help to set people free today through your word. God, you know the hearts of everyone who's here, and you are a God of who gives encouragement and comfort and hope and strength, and we just pray that you would have your way to help all of us walk out of here today more encouraged to live the life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So um, three things that, uh, that we, we dived into, dived, dove, whatever that is. <laughs> I'm sitting next to an English major, which is a real pain in the butt when you're talking at home. Um, but uh, it, it, the first one that we experience, and, and, and this is why you'll see as married people, it doesn't change. But to really thrive as a single person, you need to have unrivaled trust. Unrivaled trust. So, Mrs. Nelson. All right. So... Yeah, we're just going to jump into the scriptures quickly here because we have a lot to get through. Without preface, we're going to go to Psalm 56. Um, this is a psalm of David when he was captured by the Philistines. So his battle was not singleness. He had enough wives. His battle <laughs> was very physical and literal in this. But I love the heart that he expresses in this psalm. And I think it's for all of us. So Psalm 56 will be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. We're starting in verse 3. He says, when I am afraid, am I doing something No, you're wrong? fine. Just keep going. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Verse 8, you have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Josh, should we, should we sh switch mics? Are we going to be okay here? Or? It's just my aura. It's so <laughs> powerful. <laughs> Jesus got nothing on her, man. That didn't happen first service, guys. There's something special going on here. Just keep going? Yeah, right. if it gets bad, I'll All right. So we're going to start there in verse 3, and, and here's uh, just the first phrase. David says, when I am afraid. He doesn't say, if I'm afraid. And um, for all of us in this room, married or single, we are all going to be afraid at some point. We are afraid of something. And um, some of us are just better at hiding our fears. Specifically speaking to um, the single crew here, uh, uh, just a few fears that um, I feel like kind of you can categorize uh, some of the things we struggle with. One of them is 
fear of the future. It's so natural as a human being to take what I'm going through now, whatever particular suffering or struggle I'm going through today, and project it down the road 20, 30, 40 years. And um, if you don't like being single and you're struggling with that, the thought of this continuing forever is, can be horrifying. Um, what, do you guys, just, what do you guys want us to do? I just want her to be free. Fifty okay. seconds to 60. reboot. Can I keep talking? I'm okay. No. <laughs> is this fun? This is so fun. I keep. I'm a hugger, and all day today, people have been coming up to hug me. I'm like, oh, not today. I have mics. I have, I'll hug you after service. Sorry, guys. We're already short on time. Kidding me. <laughs> you're doing good. Am I? Yeah, just just hit them. Okay. Just hit your points. You're doing good. Okay. Okay. Um, so there's the fear of the future that can be so crippling that we will say, I will do whatever it takes to make sure that's not what my future looks like. And I personally think that every stupid decision we make comes out of fear. Every dumb thing I've done, especially relationally, has come out of my own fears and brokenness. So the fear of the future can deeply affect what you do right now. Another fear is fear of intimacy. Some of us are on the flip side. We're not afraid of being alone. We're actually afraid of being intimate and not being alone anymore. And, and so we will go from shallow relationship to shallow relationship because we're human, we have needs, we have desires. We will continue in this path, but never actually confront the person who is inside and engage in the relationships that God created us for because we're so afraid of being known that we will do anything to keep that from happening. Another thing I think in our culture is we are afraid of divorce. We know what it's like as the children of divorce. And so we've just, rather than mess with that whole potential of being a hypocrite like our parents, we're just not going to get married. And so we try to engage in long-term, life-lasting relationships without bothering to get married because we don't value it anymore. We don't believe it anymore. We'd rather have a relationship end that was never called marriage in the first place, then risk getting married and going through a divorce for the sake of our kids and the people around us and our own selves. But David goes on to say, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And um, I think many of us have so many other things we trust in addition to God or even completely in, instead of God. Um, you may feel like you trust God, but I also have this. And especially in this area of singleness, one of the things that happens is if I'm afraid of being alone, out of that fear, I can begin to put my trust in myself. If I look right, if I have the right job, if I do the right things, I can 
turn myself into a package that is lovable and worth marrying. And the pressure of that, if I'm depending on myself to have the life I want relationally and to be the right kind of person to be loved, um, I've lived that, and it's not a lot of fun. Um, we can be dependent upon ourselves and our performance. We can depend on people, and this is a big one, whether you're married or single. We all want to be loved and feel validated, and I think what we tend to do as single people is we're, if I only could be in a relationship, then I would know. And we put so much pressure. We enter into a relationship, and we put pressure on that person to make us feel happy, content, loved, valued. And that is a role and a pressure on the other person that they were never intended to carry. Because nobody in this life can do in your heart what only God can do. And especially in marriage, I know. Guys, I am loved so well. I want you to know that this man lives what he teaches. I am his the way God has loved me through him has been the most healing influence in my life. But he's not God. And, and if I depend on him, if you depend on other people for your worth, um, you're not depending on God. You're not trusting him. The, the last thing I have here is I think, and I'm going to fly right in the face of culture with this one. What do we trust in addition to or instead of God? We trust our hearts. Trust your, follow your heart, right? It will know where to lead you. And I know this is the norm in our culture, but I'm telling you that our hearts are broken, wounded, sinful, deceiving, weak, and not trustworthy all the time anyway. I'm not saying that God didn't, I think God gave us our hearts for a reason, and there are good instincts, there is wisdom, there, there, you can have a gut sense, but I'm telling you this, when you're faced with a situation and what you think and what you feel and what your heart is telling you to do is in direct opposition to what you know God would encourage you to do from scripture, there's your choice. Am I going to trust God, or am I going to trust my heart? And too many times in our culture, we're told, don't trust this ancient stuff. Trust your heart. And I just want to challenge you to consider um, whether or not you, you've put your full trust in God in every area of this. Which brings us to, I think, the reason we have a hard time putting our trust in God, like David did, is um, we don't... We don't trust his heart for us. And that's what comes across so beautifully in this psalm. If you look further down, verse 8, you have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. And he says later in verse 9, this I know, that God is for me. See, I wasn't sure of that when I left high school. I had lived my entire teen life at home being uh, alone and overlooked and feeling ugly and unlovable. And so, man, when I went into college at age 17, I was like, I will have a boyfriend. And I did, very quickly, within a few weeks. 
and I'm not married to him, or the guy after him, or the guy after him. <laughs> um, talk about stupid things done out of our own need to control and lack of trust in God. But what that did, when I, after experiencing uh, the pain of those relationships and realizing that that is not what I needed, um, it started me on a journey where for the next 12 years I would learn what it means to believe that God has my best interests at heart. And I can stand here before you now, and by the time I met David, I could stand before anyone and say, I, I know one thing. I know that I know that I know. God loves me, and he is for me. And I can trust him with my heart, with my future, with my life, with anything, and I will not take it into my own hands because I know he's for me when no one else is. So I, I just want to tell you guys, if there is one thing, if you're single here today, if there's one thing that you can do is do this, do what Susie did and do what I did. I mean, we wrestled with this issue of faith right here, that our God is good and that he is for us. And I want to tell you, man, there is nothing like running into somebody else who isn't looking to me to meet all her needs. Can you all say amen to that one? Because, and that's where all of you who are married right now, right now, here's your area of trust. Are you now, as a married person, looking to your husband to meet all your needs? Or are you looking to your wife? Or can we actually trust them? So if you're single, if you can get your heart to this place where you know his love for you so that your heart is filled and you can fully give yourself to the other person, that's a completely different ballgame. So wrestle with this one and fight with this one. And, and I would say, as Susan and I were talking, the other issue of trust in this is, as a single person, is with your sexuality. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so we just, we just need to, to, to dive into this one uh, mm -hmm. real quick. So, I don't know, go for it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> He loves having me up here to just hand off the tough stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, talk about an area where what, we, what our hearts tell us and what God tells us and a choice. We've talked about it here before. It's no mystery. Um, God's desire for you is to not be involved sexually without a marriage covenant. That's just, that's there. It's in scripture. We can read it to you. We've talked about it here before. The bottom line is, guys, um, we've lived this. I lived a non-celibate life in college. And then I lived 12 years celibate. And, and not without struggle. Certainly not without opportunity. Every single person in here could be in a relationship right now if you chose to be. There are plenty of people in this world who would like nothing more to be in a relationship with you. Hmm. But the reality is that this life trusted into God's hands and living a life that is celibate is so much better for your heart. And um, we need to say this. You may think we're beating a dead horse, but we need to say it because we have very, very good friends in the single community here at K2 
who tell us that when they have stepped out with courage to engage in relationships, it was not very long in that dating relationship before they were being pressured to hop in bed. And that is simply unacceptable. If this can't be a safe place where you can find um, community and engage in a dating relationship and pursue God at the same time, it's just heartbreaking. Um, go well, ahead. Well, and I, and I, so part of this, and this is a huge one, where Susie's issue is she was talking about, are you going to follow your heart? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to trust your heart? Or are you going to trust, trust uh, God? Because I can tell you this right now, I'm so grateful. My brother-in-law told me years ago, God never intended us to be strong in the sex area. He gave us a sex what? Drive. Right? And so it's, your heart is good. As soon as you start to fall in love with somebody, as soon as you start getting attracted to somebody, guess what? God designs you and everything within you says, yes, your heart, follow your heart. You're going to go to bed. You just are because you are human. And yet, God makes it so clear. Yes, I designed you for that. And it's awesome in marriage. So it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like those who don't know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of your brother or your sister. Is, and then he goes on, if anyone rejects this instruction, they don't reject human, a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So we, we and here's, I tell you what, and here's why we care about this. Neither Susie or I were, were virgins when we got married. Okay. And here's what I know about all the rest of you who were married, who weren't, who had sexual partners before you got married. You wish you didn't have any, Right. You wish there weren't any movies playing in the back of your mind on your wedding night. You wish there was no other human being that you ever gave part of your heart to that you wish you could have it back. Once you find the one you want to be married to, you want all of your being to give to them. This is, again, God not clamping down and saying, I want to rob you of your joy. This is God saying, trust me, I created you, I love you, and I want you to have the best. And so I, I do, as your pastor... I'll, and I just I said it in the red box. I just want to say, first of all, hey, men, buck up. Man up. Be a man. I'm telling you, it is hard. She did 12. I did 15. All right? I know. And here's what's cool. So if you've blown it sexually, you can, I believe God can purify your heart again and give you a pure heart for your wedding night. I really do. He did for us. And it was great. So I want to tell you, men, man up. Because it is hard. And I'm telling you, the only way, Susan and I, because the other thing that happened, as soon as we got engaged, we were like, this is stupid. <laughs> right? Because now I know I'm going to marry that girl. So it's wrong now, and then one day it's going to be right? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the only reason we held off was because we founded Jesus. Because everything else felt stupid. Mm -hmm. So don't trust your heart. Trust him on this one. And honor your brothers and sisters in this community. Can, can you guys do that? Will you honor each other in this place? Yeah. All right. There we go. There we go. Okay. So, check, check, check. All right. So here's what we know, though. God said in the marriage message, right, Genesis 1, it's not good for man to be alone. So if you're single, then what do we do? Well, the beautiful thing is 
He says, I've created relationship and I've created the church. And, and again, in America, we go to church. In the Bible, it says, no, you are a part of the church. And he uses these great analogies of a family. You have brothers and sisters now. He uses a great analogy of a body. And he says, every one of you is a part of it. And so one of the ways that Susie and I thrived in our singleness was we were a part of an undisputed community. And the reason we chose undisputed community is because of this whole, it, it, people will go, I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. Well, of course not. Okay, that'd be stupid religion, right? And we've all about that, right? But you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. But when you receive Christ, guess what you become? A part of the church. And so if you're going to thrive as a single person, take advantage of what God has given you and connect your life deeply and intimately with other people. And that's what I had. We both had. I had amazing friends and unbelievable people that really helped me through this. And we have someone uh, in our own community who wrote us about this as well. I'm going to have Susie read this. It's great. That's a beautiful letter. And I, I will say this. My journey to this was very long. In fact, right before I met David, God began to unravel my independence. And I was able to be very authentic and very honest with never being vulnerable. And I just, I feel like today I need to say some of you are not experiencing the community God created for you because you, you know how to hold your uh, vulnerable parts inside. And God will give you the people to unravel that so that you're free to love. Hmm. Um, my friend says, at times my heart aches so much with the desire to be married and have children. Many of my nights are heavy with uncertainty around this issue. I'm so grateful for my community. There was a time where I did not have community, and the loneliness was truly suffocating. Now I have people to do this life with, and it makes all the difference. People to call when I'm sad, lonely, or so incredibly happy I just have to share with someone. The truth is, I do love my life and the people who God has given me to share it with. I want what God has for me, and I don't believe that marriage is the end-all be-all. I find so many people who desire marriage as though it is the answer to life. It's not. Jesus is the answer to life. If you have not got him, then having someone to share life with will be just as lonely as it is in your singleness. I used to feel like I was waiting, waiting for my life to start, waiting for my life to be important. Somehow, being married would bring an end to all the waiting. It won't. I don't have to wait. My life has started. It is full. I do still desire to be married and be a mom, but it means something so different. It would mean sharing my very full life with someone else's very full life centered around Jesus. When my heart aches with this desire, I try my best to trust God and obey him with everything he's given me right now. The reality is I may never have this desire fulfilled, and I believe that God is good anyway. Though I battle as much as the next person, to always remember this, and that's why I have fantastic friends to remind me. It's huge. It, it really is. And I, I just want to encourage you. So even here at K2, um, we, are, we are taking some new steps as well. I know something was announced a couple weeks ago on March 22nd. The, there will be a meeting for those of you who are single to say, because I want to tell you, again, <laughs> when we asked you and we said, raise your hand if you're single three weeks ago, half of you rose your hands in here. That statistic we've seen, there are more unmarried people in America today than married. Then this community need of each other and support is huge. I remember when I was single so long, my and I was the head of our singles ministry back in, in Detroit, and my brother would always say, why do you guys have to do this? 
Like, why do you, you know, isn't Sunday morning good enough and all this kind of stuff? I said, well, because at the end of the day, you go home to your wife and your kids, and I don't. And, 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 it, and, and, and so I needed that. So keep your ears peeled and, and for the next couple weeks and look forward to March 22nd. If you're under 30, we already have stuff going on on Thursday nights. Encounter, we meet right over here in our garage. We'd love to you to, to join in, okay? You can thrive, but you've got to take advantage of the relationships that God actually gives us. And if you're married, remember the ones around you who you can embrace and invite into your life. All right, we're going. Okay, cool. Um, and here's the, here's the last thing. One of the things I love about Paul, too, is he's sitting there and he's actually like, in our culture, married is so, marriage is so elevated. And it probably was back then because he's like, actually, I wish y'all were like me. He goes, I wish you were single. And so he goes off on talking about all the struggles that go on in marriage. And then he says, um, those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I just want to spare you of this. <laughs> you know? And if you're married, you go, amen. You know? Uh, so... Because what we know is, is if, if, you're, if your marriage is struggling, there's so much time and so much focus, mental energy, emotional energy that gets spent on a struggling marriage. And if your marriage isn't struggling and it's going well, it's because you're devoting so much time and so much energy and so much of your heart to that person. So what Paul is saying is this. He goes, listen, the greatest thing in all the world is serving God. Whether you're married, it's be devoted to God. And what we learned in our singleness is this, to have this undivided devotion. So look at this passage. Paul says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of the world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. And that's how I want to tell you, when I was single, I used to hate to hear married people talk about this. Like, tell me how much time I had and how free I was to do stuff. I'm like, oh, shut up, you know? And now as a married guy, can I just tell you, you have a lot of time. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it's, and so it's true. just true. So. <laughs> it is so true. You know, um, we, I, I call it wealth. I think you're pretty wealthy. We're wealthy in ways now that we're married, the affection and the adoration that you know, I didn't have as a single person, but I didn't realize how freaking wealthy I was, that I actually had this resource I didn't even realize was a resource, and it was called time and freedom. And I was busy. I led a very busy life. But the reality was I could wake up on a Saturday morning and say, man, I feel distant from Jesus. I'm going to go in the mountains. And I could go spend four hours with him, seeking him. Ain't happening now. <laughs> you got three minutes and 35 seconds. <laughs> go. Um, it's true. And I think in our culture, we use this wealth, we squander it on ourselves. It is <clears throat> the culture of our single world that if, when we have free time, it is our time. And I'm going to ski, I'm going to climb, there's a lot you can do, and, um, which is great. But I'm just going to encourage you, see it as a resource and spend it well. Because if God brings somebody into your life, you will not be free to seek Him mm -hmm. or to serve others in the same capacity that you are now. And, so and, go and, for it. And, and we had single friends that would come to Susie and say things like, 
man, I, I just, I just am free right now, and, and you're, you know, I'm, could I just take your kids and, and be with them, you know, for the afternoon? I was like, are you kidding me? She's like, how about for a week, mm-hmm. you know? But so obviously, this is one of those where we're talking about those of you who are single with no children. Yeah. Those of you who are single with children, this is a 180. Mm-hmm. 180 farther than those of us who are married who have kids. Mm-hmm. So, you guys, this is a place where the community, where we can love each mm-hmm. other. And so, but mm-hmm. the point, what Paul's saying is, man, give it. This is your time. You guys have a gift. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I know back at, in Detroit, when I led this thing, our lead pastor came to me. He said, man, you guys are the energy. You guys are the engine of this church. You're what makes it happen. Mm-hmm. And so, I want to encourage you, man, if you're single and you're not undivided in your devotion, if you're using it to feed a selfish mm-hmm. life instead of feeding a life that pours out to others, you have a chance to prepare your heart for marriage. And marriage is about pouring your life into the other person and not feeding yourself. Mm-hmm. So go for it. Give yourself fully. This is a sweet time that God has given you. All right? So as a band comes up, um, our application, a couple very easy ones. One's right there. Just dive in. Find out here at K2, there are so many opportunities for you to pour your life and to use your gifts in beautiful ways here. Number two, don't, because I tell you, this fear that Susie talked about, um, fear of intimacy, and, and, and then trusting and fearing to trust, I want to encourage you, man, get connected in relationships. I know we're all messed up, and sometimes it's hard to find that, but God has provided that. Take some steps here to love the people and be loved by the people who are here at K2. But I'm going to tell you, the hardest application, you guys, is the first one we talked about. And that is, can we actually trust God? And, and I, didn't, I didn't share my story, but I, I tell you, when I was in my 20s, man, I loved being single. Amen? Anybody? It was fun. When I hit 30 and my younger brother and my three best friends got married, I'm like, uh, how about me? And I stopped trusting him. I did. And then I started, well, I, apparently I got some issues, so I got to make some relationships happen. it, Stupid. And God finally revealed to me again, David, trust me. I am for you. I love you. And if you, and I'm telling you, through his word, which is so alive and rich, I was able to take a heart. And this is why I think some of you are in here today, and you walked in here and you're single, and you are freaking out about your future, and you're hating your loneliness. And I want to encourage you today. You can today turn back and remember what Susie shared with you. This is a God who loves you and cares about you. And if you're married, it's the source of your love for your spouse too. So as Mike leads us, the first song is Jesus is better. And he is. Jesus is better. And so worship him with that. Let him come to you. Remind yourself, if you're doubting him, that's straight from the enemy, man. Fight that right now in worship. Let his heart and his love fill you up so you can thrive no matter where you're at in your life, all right? Okay, go for it. You guys enjoy